Well, hey everybody, it's Ryan Lee with Make It A Great Day, The Power Of Positivity. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, I am your host, Ryan Lee, President and COO of CBT Nuggets, a great online training company, and have been really, really enjoying bringing some new podcasts to form where I've been spending some time interviewing some great leaders around the country and the globe about how they're dealing with the pandemic. And this next team member that I get a chance to interview is an incredible leader, Ms. Amy Prozenjack, CEO of A to Z Wineworks. And Amy's got some great insights to share. So let's jump right in. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Make It a Great Day, the power of positivity. Ryan Lee coming to you live and direct. So excited to be talking to an amazing leader and a great friend of mine, Ms. Amy Prozenjack, who is the CEO of A to Z Wineworks. Um, a to Z for those of you that don't know that she's going to tell you is an incredible company and is doing some amazing things in our community and really bringing, I think right now today, some uh, good relief out there in this wonderful, stressful environment. So Amy, welcome. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Perfect. Well, Amy kicked it off a little bit. Obviously we know wine, but um, would love to just hear a little bit about A to Z and kind of who you guys are, how you became A to Z and just that journey. A to Z, we just are celebrating our uh, 18th birthday coming up this summer, so we're almost legal drinking age. Um, it's a family-owned company that was formed around a kitchen table by two families that really wanted to do something different and have a wine that was uh, more affordable for folks. And so all the A to Z wines have always been about $20 or under, and that's still true today. So we're a lot larger. We started making about 2,600 cases back then, and today we make about 400,000 cases. So there's 12 bottles of wine in each of those cases, and um, the business has become more complex over time, but it's really still the same strategy to, um, our tagline is to create the, um, great, the highest quality wine for the greatest sustainable value. And we want to be a company that combines commerce with conscience. So that's, that's our, that's our shtick. That's what we're doing out there in the world. Which is awesome. And um, obviously I know you uh, well as a great friend and I hear a little Midwest um, in that accent. And I would um, love to uh, hear as a Midwesterner myself, hear your journey of kind of what brought you to A to Z and really what keeps you going every single day um, in that amazing company. So I, I've had a, an unusual path into wine, as most people do. Um, I grew up in Ohio and went to college there at Ohio Wesleyan, go Bishops. And we, I started working in the furniture business. I worked for the Limited, some big companies there in Columbus. And um, we just enjoyed wine as consumers. And so we had a kegerator first, and then we graduated. We bought the wine fridge. And so we just kind of evolved as consumers over time. And we had been to Napa and to Italy to visit these amazing wine regions. And so one day, um, my hubby was online looking at a website called winejobs.com. And you too can be the CEO of a winery. Just apply on winejobs.com. And um, A to Z was just in the process of buying Rex Hill, which is another winery here in Oregon, um, more of a legacy winery that's been around for about 36 years. And so they were looking for a CFO at the time, and I really just sent my resume on a whim. I was ready for an adventure, and wine sounded fascinating and intriguing and romantic and sexy and all the things that people kind of associate with wine. And so the, um, 
one of the owners, Bill Hatcher, called me and he said, so do you understand cost accounting? And I said, yes, that's what I do for a billion dollar furniture company. I'm the director of inventory control and I definitely understand cost accounting. And he said, well, that's really what managing wine operations is about. And so I came out to Oregon to interview and we just hit it off. And here we are about 13 and a half years later and I still understand cost accounting. And that's really the you know, the crux of making sure you understand what's going on behind the scenes of the business. And then of course, I've learned all the other amazing things that go into the wine business since then. Perfect. And I know you would not say this, but um, for those of us that don't understand, and I know you talked about the 400,000, um, you guys are the largest uh, wine producer in Oregon, correct? We are one of the largest. Um, we have a competitor that puts wine in cans that's been uh, creeping up on our numbers there. So um, yeah, we're one of the largest today. So it's most wineries in Oregon. Um, there's a lot of wineries in Oregon that are kind of at that 3000 case level. That's really the bread and butter of the beautiful Oregon wine country where you can go around and go to all these great tasting rooms. There's some in that 10 to 50,000 cases. And then there's a few of us that are kind of 100,000 and more. So which is awesome. And I definitely know from uh, drinking and experiencing the A to Z brand and the Rex Hill brand and other things that you guys are affiliated with, one, not only is it awesome, but two, it's affordable and it's found all over the country. And I know in lots of ways all over the world. Um, and I think that's a really cool thing because I think your brand is able to help people. Um, all that are going through this is kind of something that, that brings us together. And with that, um, from some other chats, I know we've talked that there might be some people buying some wine, but that doesn't mean that you're not having challenges and having some really unique opportunities present themselves every day. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about what it's like to run um, one of the largest wineries during a time like this and how you guys are coping um, with the current pandemic. It's just been such an interesting time as I know all of your listeners are feeling the same thing. It's, it's up and down kind of every day and it feels like this has been going on for months and months and it's only really been weeks as far as the actual crisis period. So, you know, it's, it's kind of two different pieces of the puzzle. Um, you mentioned that our wine is available around the country and, and 13 export countries which has really been what has been keeping us going. So about 80% of all of our A to Z wine is sold in big box retailers. So places, um, grocery store, Costco, Total Wine, so forth. And so all of that business is up. Um, I heard a stat that normally this time of year, a, you know, a Fred Meyer store will take one to two trucks semi-trucks of mixed product a day to stock their shelves. And during um, what was going on in the beginning, really they were taking seven to eight trucks a day of mixed product to just keep this, the shelves close to stocked. Um, so it was like Christmas Eve over and over and over again for these incredible employees at all these retailers that have been keeping it going. And so that fueled our sales. So we had to really focus on our distribution and keeping our warehouse going. Um, we work with a great partner in Salem, Oregon called Northwest Distribution and Storage, and they were able to keep all of that wine shipping across the country. We worked with all of our distributors in all of our 50 states to talk about how to stay in stock and how much wine they should order, and they had to do a lot of overriding of their systems that normally are looking at current run rates and what would normally happen in March or April, and so we had to really um, all work together to make sure that we could get the right amount of wine to the right places. So that's kind of the distribution side, and that's been the, the most kind of tricky to stay on top of, but fortunately, because sales are up, we've had those opportunities to solve 
um, as a business. Internally at the winery, it's been very emotional, just like um, everybody else I think is experiencing. Um, we, of course, um, went into the shelter in place. And so we, you know, put everybody at home working that we could. We closed the operations for three weeks to just make sure everybody was safe and healthy with their families and give them time to kind of, you know, figure out what was going on um, and really figure out how we would come back as a manufacturer in these new times with um, different setups, different processes, and just thinking about how we would handle all of that once people were back at the winery. So we learned how to use Zoom and all these um, technologies really quickly. We did lots of, I usually have an all staff meeting with all um, 62 of our on-site employees. And so of course we couldn't do that. So we did that through Zoom and you know, just trying to connect with everybody. I'm definitely a manager by walking around. And so not being able to see everybody each day and have those kind of quick 30 second, 60 second conversations, those take a lot longer to happen on the phone, but I've been committed to trying to make that happen. So I've, I've been burning up the cell phone uh, minutes and Zoom minutes, just trying to stay connected with everybody. So um, we're just trying to keep it together. We're gonna get through it together. That's been our motto. That's awesome. And obviously you guys, har harvest isn't yet, but still making sure that uh, you're preparing for that. And then be curious too, I know you guys buy and, and leverage a lot of local small business suppliers of grapes mm -hmm. um, throughout the state and through other places. Kind of how have those relationships been going and what have you been hearing? And you know, you probably can't necessarily go into their property right now and check and talk and see things like that. I'd be curious to know how that part has changed as well. Yeah, Mother Nature doesn't care that this is going on. So the grapes are still growing, which is great. So the 2020 vintage is, is moving right along. We've had bud break and all the little um, um, buds are coming out. And it's just fun to see our viticulturalist has been sending us some pictures to keep everybody um, focused on what we all do is that, the, yeah, the grapes are coming. So it's only about 150 days away. So um, we are definitely thankful that this didn't hit right during harvest. That would have been way more disruptive to our manufacturing environment. It's giving us a little bit of lead time to think that through. Um, I think it will be different. All of this social distancing, um, these policies, I believe, will still be in place at that point in September and October. And so we're thinking through now how we will accomplish that. We normally have... Um, like eight to 10 interns from around the world that have worked harvest all over the world. They come to A to Z to work harvest. We're not sure if we can accomplish that this year with people traveling. So we're thinking through all that. We are still visiting our, our sites from, we, so we buy from about 50 incredible growers across the whole state of Oregon. We buy from um, Hood River all the way down to Ashland. And so because you can travel by yourself in a car and get to a site and you're outside, so we're not interacting with the growers right now, but we're able to go and check on what's happening in the vineyards and then we can communicate, um, you know, via phone and Zoom and so forth about it. So we're trying to stay on top of it because it's happening as, as we speak, so. Totally. So as you mentioned Zoom and you mentioned the 62 team members, you know, what are some things that have surprised you the most with how your team has coped with this? And I know you mentioned being on the phone and trying to still keep that human connection. Would love if you have any stories or just some things that have really impressed you with your team. Yeah, two things really come to mind. So we have 62 employees at the, at the winery and our vineyard sites. And then we have another um, 
12 employees that are our sales team across the country. And so they're used to working remotely and they travel for a living. So they're of course home at this point, but they're used to working from home. And so we've really been trying to lean in on them to understand like, what are your protocols? How do you do it? And so we've had a couple of our sales team members be little guest speakers on some of our other departmental meetings to give us some tips about how do they do this and how do they, how do they um, normally structure their day and both stay healthy mentally and physically, but also get all their work done when they're in front of a computer screen and how do they set up their office and avoid their kids that are running in and, um, you know, asking for lunch and things. So that's been fun to um, tap into their resources. And really the thing that's impressed me the most is just how adaptable our team has been. I mean, trying to move some of our direct sales online. We had a wine club party scheduled in March that of course had to be postponed. So, you know, all of a sudden we're, we're getting all of these things online and offering things to our, um, our wine club members and trying to just understand what are they interested in and just how quickly that all has been forced to happen. Um, another thing that pops into mind, we had been talking about in the finance department, could we be paperless in 2020? How could that happen? And we had kind of thought it through and started to make plans. Well, guess what? We had to become paperless kind of overnight. Um, so that really has um, impressed me that everybody's just been so willing to pitch in um, we had two new um, colleagues start during this time that were already planned to start. Um, and so that's just been a weird experience for them, of course, of how they've been onboarding and learning how to do payroll remotely with people you've never met. Um, so just really appreciate everybody's willingness over these last couple of weeks. It's, everyone's put in a lot of effort. That's awesome. Um, I'm always curious. I've been asking everybody this, you know, what have you really learned about yourself during this? I mean, I, I definitely can say this has really been a very interesting time of self-reflection and I'm in a building right now where there's normally like 120 people and it's just me and I, I know you're feeling that same stuff um, and it's just giving me a lot of time to think. What are some things that have really changed for you or given you different perspective? One of the things that I really have appreciated is that, you know, I'm a big believer in building relationships with folks that you do business with. You had mentioned some of our kind of smaller local suppliers, people we print our labels with, people where we do our um, warehousing in Salem and so forth. And if you didn't have that relationship, I've always mentored people. Um, I ran a big accounts payable and accounts receivable team at one of my tenures. And my, my quote to people was always, know the dog's name, know what the kid's name is, know what they're interested in, what book were we, they reading last time? Because if you're asking for money, it needs to be a relationship. And so when they're looking through their list of payables, it's like, ooh, I'll, I'll pay that nice person that knew my dog's name. Um, I do think that happens in companies. And so if you didn't know the dog's name before this crisis happened, it's really hard to learn it now, right? It's hard to get people's attention. They're, they're having millions of decisions that need to be made quickly. And so when your phone call comes in, you want them to pick up your call. And so I've really appreciated that the, the relationships that I've built over these years with A to Z and then also all of my colleagues. I think that's really been um, one of our strengths for sure. Um, one of the things I've learned about myself is that I, if I'm not forced to, I don't get up and walk around very much um, when I'm just at home. And so I've really been struggling myself on a physical side of things of, of keeping that going. I'm used to being in a routine and going to a gym on the way to work and all these things. And since that's not happening, that's been really hard for me. Um, personally, so I've been trying trying some different tactics to, to keep that going because I totally believe that that physical health is part of my mental health. So definitely I've had a few few low moments that my team members have had to help me get through. So 
totally. I think that's great insight. Um, you know, it, it's funny, like we always talk about whether it's an annuity or whether it's something that you've planted and you watch it grow. It really is uh, the time and the effort that you put in that sometimes you don't see that then comes really truly to fruition in times like these. And um, being able to build those relationships and be able to have those as the strength during times like this, I think it's a great perspective. Um, and obviously, like you said, I think that physicalness uh, for all of us, I can speak for myself, you know, I've been trying to do a few more walks or just something, but I definitely know I also need that. And I'm used to going to a gym and having that take it away. I can really feel that tension building me like, man, like I got to get out and release a little bit here and there. Um, well, last question, Amy, um, and you kind of touched on a little bit with some of the stuff with finance of going paperless, but again, is presented, I think, with an opportunity. You know I mean? I, I never like to see challenges, but what are you thinking coming out of this about how A to Z might change or what are some wins that are potential? I know you mentioned some of the stuff with the wine club and things like that. I'd be curious to understand kind of where you think maybe A to Z after pandemic is um, that you would never probably never been before if you didn't have to experience it. So it's a really good question. It's a hard one. Um, we were just talking about that. We've been doing, a, I have four incredible founders, as I mentioned, that founded A to Z. So we've been having a call every day at the end of the day to just check in on each other and, and just see how things are going. And especially when we were making quick decisions. But we were we were talking about that. And, you know, some of it feels a little too soon to tell because we're just, we're not out of it yet. And like, what are the trends going to be? And how will things evolve? And, and how will that happen? Um, so I think a lot of it will just have to do with how the economy responds. Um, you know, is our, will our price point still be something that feels economical to people? I mean, $20 is still a lot to pay for a bottle of wine with, with your dinner for some people. And I understand that. And so, you know, will we have to adjust that? How would that then affect the whole kind of supply chain structure that we've built? Um, you know, it, it, it feels a little bit too soon to tell. We've always been one to poke and, and prod and ask questions. Lots of us have um, liberal arts degrees. So, you know, what, what innovation needs to happen? Does package size need to change? Does, does our price point need to change somehow? I mean, what, what else is out there? I mean, do, does the luxury wine market really exist for Rexil? Um, and our wine club. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what consumers tell us they, that they want. And so wine, you know, it's such a long cycle because we're growing the 2020 vintage right now. We're bottling the 2019. We're selling the 2017 and 2018 vintages. So it takes a long time for those changes to happen. And so we, we, we need to make sure we make changes in quick enough succession that we can affect something. But, you know, we pretty much already have our wine in bottle that we would sell next year so we've already paid all those all those costs so it'll it'll be a challenge to see how we can innovate and where we will so i don't have a great answer for that other than we're thinking about it and talking about it um, and really the consumers are going to tell are going to choose no and that's a great point and i would say though even going paperless right gives you flexibility like you had mentioned and i also think um, how to engage digitally your wine club. You know, I, I can speak for myself. I obviously um, I'm biased, but I, I love wine and I, I'm a big fan of uh, A to Z and Rex Hill. And I have found myself probably actually drinking more wine at home because there's a little bit less to do and um, it's given me a different appreciation. And so I think um, even though I can't get there to be around the people, there's enough of that memory case that's, that's still there. And so it'd be, be interesting how that digital, you know, plays in and, 
you know, are there winemaker dinners where it's on a screen, you know, versus um, physically around a table, but yet you all are still enjoying great food that you've created and also incredible wine that you guys have built. So I think time will tell, but I, I believe in your guys' brand and I believe in your product and I think people will still find value. Um, last but certainly not least, as you know, I love quotes and um, I'm always curious to hear, is there a quote or is there something out there that maybe you go back to at times and it's something that fills you up? And if, it, if you have one, what would that be? There's so many. This is like choosing your favorite book. I don't know if I can choose my favorite quote. I mean, I was looking, I keep a little book of quotes. And so I was looking through that and, you know, some of the things out there that were in my book that reminded me of things of, you know, speak even when your voice trembles is something that I think about all the time, especially right now. I mean, I don't know what to say to 72 people on a Zoom call. I mean, is everything going to be okay? It's like, well, I'm going to tell you whether, whether my voice starts trembling or not. Um, you know, you earn it, you didn't win it. Um, there, there's just so many. Leadership is a choice, not a rank. I mean, heart counts, not head counts. But one that really sticks with me, so Coach Pop from the San Antonio Spurs is someone that I really admire. And, and he has one quote in the whole Spurs facility, practice facility in San Antonio. And it's by a Russian um, writer because that's what Coach Pop studied. So a little fun fact for you. But so... When nothing seems to help, I go and look at a stonecutter hammering away at his rock perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the hundred and first blow, it will split into two. And I know it was not that blow that did it, but all that had gone before. So that's something that I think we just got to keep at this. Found the rock, as Coach Pop says, and uh, we got to stick stick together and, and get through this together as a a to Z company and as our community and as a, as a greater nation and world. So I wish everybody luck. It's, it's tough out there. So. Could not agree more. And I think the more we come together and the more gratitude and things we find from all of this, I, I hope that everyone feels that and sees that and continues to share in that. Um, Amy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on. And I think people will really get a lot out of the time we spent today. So thank you. Thanks, Ryan. I always trend up when I talk to you. So appreciate your positivity. Thank you.